Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Therese Cerise, and normally how I do it, I would read a poem to you from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. However, today I am going to share a little bit more from my novel entitled Perfect Illusions of Love. And so I'm going to introduce to you one of the main characters. So here we go. And this chapter is called Puppy Love. Hello, my name is Gabrielle Elaine Maxwell, but my friends call me Gabby. For the record, I never seem to win at love. In fact, to this very day, all of my encounters have been an epic fail. It goes as far back as elementary school. During those puppy love days, I was 10 years old in the fourth grade and towering over a cute boy named Byron Jackson. He had naturally curly hair, long eyelashes, and an unforgettable smile. I felt like the stars were telling me he and I were meant to be together. So I started following him to class every day. This went on for months until the day my parents received a pink slip from Principal Blankenship. He put me in ISS for three days for sexual harassment. The nerve. Needless to say, my parents' reaction was enough for me to end my obsession with Byron. In junior high school, there was a different boy who I really liked. His name was Terrence Henry. He had a sweet personality. He always came to school smelling good and being cute was a plus for him too. With all of these great attributes, I figured he would make the perfect first boyfriend. So I broke the normal tradition of the boy asking the girl to go steady and I passed him a note in our fifth period biology class. Will you go steady with me? Please check the blue box for yes and the red box for no. He checked the blue box and we were a couple from that moment on. Terrence and I were only 13 years old when we started going steady, which was still too young for me to kiss boys. My parents didn't allow it. This didn't hurt my feelings though because the thought of it grossed me out anyways. Terrence was a perfect gentleman. He carried my books for me. He walked me to my classes and he kissed me on my forehead when we said our goodbyes. I adored that about him and I definitely enjoyed being his girlfriend. We held hands every chance we got and once in a while, I'd reach up to hug him just so I could smell like him. I was happy. He also seemed happy and content with taking care of me. He appeared to enjoy our courtship as much as I did. So naturally, I assumed he thought I was a great girlfriend. I really thought he enjoyed walking me to my classes every day, but apparently I was wrong because not only did he stop walking me to my classes, he stopped coming to school altogether. <clears throat> Excuse me. He knew he was breaking up with me the whole week, but he didn't bother letting me know his little secret until the very day he left. 
He knew he was breaking up with me the whole week, but he didn't bother letting me in on his little secret until the very day he left. He tried to explain his parents' situation to me, and I understood that their decision was beyond his control, but it didn't stop me from hurting. He gave me the sweetest bear hug before he told me how our relationship must come to an end. He then kissed me on my forehead one last time before he waved goodbye and walked away. No roses, no love letter left behind in my locker. I know because of Chet. No small bottle of his lovely cologne to remember him by. Nothing, no keepsake at all. Just like that, Terrence was no longer my sweet boyfriend. So I hope that y'all have had the most amazing day, the most amazing afternoon or morning, whenever it is that you hear this episode. I wanted to share a little bit with you from my novel, Perfect Illusions of Love, a novel by yours truly, Teresa Reese. For those of you that don't know how to spell my name, it is T-E-R-E-S-A. The last name is R-E-E-S-E, -E -E, like Reese's Pieces, okay? However, um, puppy love. Let's talk about puppy love just for a minute because I love love anyhow. That's one of my favorite subjects. I never, ever get tired of talking about love. I never, ever get tired of watching love stories. I never get tired of watching couples that are in love. That is just one of the things that I absolutely adore is the subject of love because it's so critical. The world needs love. We all need love. We need it. It's not an option. It is mandatory. And so when I think about puppy love, I think about my earlier years. I think about when you find this person that you are attracted to. You see this person, let's say in the hallways, we're going to go all the way back to high school years, maybe yeah, we're going to go to high school because that's, you know, I guess more age appropriate. <laughs> and so um, when you're walking in the hallways and let's say you're a new student in school and you just so happen to make eye contact with someone that appears to be rather shy. And when you're making this eye contact, you both kind of blush just a little bit. And in your mind, you're like, oh, my goodness, he is so cute. And if you're a guy, you're like, oh, my goodness, she is so cute. What can I do to like talk to her or what can I do to meet her formally and so depending on just how school is set up or just how your classes are set up you may find yourself literally maybe two lockers down from the person that you you've been admiring from afar and next thing you know as she's closing her locker you're closing your locker you manage to find the courage men to say hi and then she chuckles a little bit and next thing you know it's like you get past the awkwardness and you're asking her where her next class is at and she tells you and so you walk her down the hall and as you're walking her down the hall the the butterflies that she once had in her stomach are starting to fade the ones that you once had in your stomach are starting to fade as well and y'all are laughing together and then y'all are sharing y'all's little stories of okay i have this class next oh i don't really like that teacher because that teacher is always giving me homework oh i don't really like this because you know it just y'all are just exchanging information with one another and next thing you know either you ladies 
get enough courage to ask him for his phone number or he gets enough courage to ask you for his. However it works, now you have exchanged phone numbers. And then you find yourself on the phone two and three and four hours because you can't get enough of his stories. He can't get enough of yours. You enjoy each other. That's what you call chemistry, honey. So you find out that you have this chemistry with this person and you literally are just like, I really like him. And he's like, I really like her. And then you start to envision yourself spending more and more time outside of school, out off of the phone, like just truly just being in each other's presence. And so you go on your first date and your first date might be a little picnic under a tree or your first date might be a walk in the park or it could possibly be to the ice cream store um, or maybe even the coffee shop. It just depends on, first of all, what your budget is at <laughs> a teenager, as a teenager. Um, and it also depends on your curfew and it also depends on just a lot of things are factored in. Do you have transportation? Do y'all have to take the bus together? You know, it just, all of those little things factor in, but you find yourself becoming more and more drawn to this individual. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, what I, I think is interesting is that we tend to put puppy love in the category only when we are younger. What about when you become an adult, a bona fide adult, honey, when you're grown, grown? What about that? Like, have we lost a sense of puppy love when we're dealing with being older? Is it only the phase? Is that phase only manifested when we're kids, when we're teenagers? Like, can you only have puppy love when you are small and not when you get older? And the reason why I ask this question is because... I remember experiencing puppy love and I loved the adventure. I loved the little doodles. I loved the I love you's. I loved the, you know, having a, I had this, my first love. I had where he was an artist and I didn't even know that he was an artist. And what he did was he created, and I think I still have it somewhere to this day. But what he did, he drew a puppy inside of a heart and then he drew his name and it said his name and that he loved me. And I just thought that was the sweetest, most genuine, most adorable dedication that he could have made to me. And it was just a beautiful thing. It was, it, it was beautiful to see a young man's heart. It was beautiful to see how he viewed me. It was beautiful to find out that he loved me because even though I knew I loved him, it didn't take long. He was a perfect gentleman. He was so sweet. He was so gentle. He was so kind that it didn't take me long to love him. But to find out that that feeling was reciprocated, to be holding hands, to be wearing his letterman jacket, to go through that whole process of being a teenager, but then having that moment where you truly felt loved. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience for the most part <laughs> because I was also young. So I didn't have a lot to go by. I didn't have a lot to compare it to. And because I didn't have a lot to compare it to, I found myself trying to live out what you see on television and it did not work out in my favor. I'll never forget it. So I'll share this with y'all just so y'all can see how silly 
I was, <laughs> I was so silly. So anyway, so, and I, I, I still have a little bit of that still left in me. However, this particular incident, I think I was watching too much television, truth be told. And so I wanted to create a scene that I had seen on TV. And we were, he was walking me, we were going to his home and he was walking me. Of course, he always would. You know, he would make sure that he walked beside me. Um, if it was cold outside, I would, I was, you know, he would hand me his Letterman jacket. He would sacrifice himself and freeze. And so, but he was always looking out for me. And so we were on our way to his mother's home. And as we're on our way, I get this inkling. In my mind, I wanted to test his love. Why did I do that to this day? All I can think of is that I was just silly and just foolish because it made no sense. You had the perfect guy um, and you messed it up. But anyway, that's what you do when you're teenagers, right? You make mistakes. And so this was one of my mistakes that I'm openly confessing to you all. So pretty much I was walking alongside him and I have this moment and I was like, I want to break up. Now, let me tell you what I was expecting for him to say. And this is why you don't try these things, okay? Like, literally, I've learned my lesson. Don't try this. So, I was like, I want to break up. Now, mind you, he didn't do anything for me to want to break up with him. It was a test. A test. It was merely a test. So, when I told him, I said, I want to break up. And he looks at me. And he was like, why? I was like... I don't know. I just feel like you don't really love me. Again, it was a test. So he says, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, what? What? Well, wait a minute. This is where you're supposed to get on bended knee and you're supposed to beg me and tell me don't leave you because you need me. And like they do on television, I'm trying to be one of those people. This is supposed to be where you confess your undying love for me and you shed at least one tear so that it makes it realistic and I can feel it. I can feel the passion. This is what's going on in my teenage mind. And so... I'm like, you've got to do this. And if you do this, I know you love me and there's no question about it. And all the insecurities fade away. And here we are. We're going to live happily ever after. But no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. He said, okay. And kept walking. I said, what? Wait a minute, what? What just happened? You're supposed to come back. No, he kept walking. He walked to his home. So I'm scratching my head. I turn around, I go to the bus stop, still scratching my head, wondering why did he walk away? Is it that he wanted to break up with me too? Is it that he's been thinking the same thing the whole time? Do we have issues in our relationship and he didn't say anything? Was he waiting for me to make the first move? Was he really truly deep down inside not feeling me the way he once was? All of these thoughts start running through my head. And so I'm left with this emotion of heartbreak because I created the atmosphere that created the heartbreak. All because I wanted some extra attention. Foolish. Just foolish. And so I go home, cry my eyes out. A few days pass. He and I connect for but a moment. And I'm able to express to him how I thought everything was going to go down. And he tells me, I cried all the way home. I couldn't see that 
because his back was turned. But I'd broken his heart because he had done everything that he possibly could to make sure that he made me happy. Everything within his capacity and he was doing a wonderful job. But because I let ego get in the way, because I let a test get in the way, because I just was really truly foolish, I broke his heart. And in turn, I ended up breaking my own because we never, we did try to reconcile, but the relationship was scarred because of my testing him. What was once puppy love ended abruptly and turned into resentment because he started to resent me. All because in a sense, whether I did it knowingly or unknowingly, I played with his heart. Whether it was consciously or unconsciously, I played with his heart. Because that type of test should have never been a factor. I received something that I could not handle prematurely. And my actions proved it. I wasn't ready for his love because I didn't know a love like that before. And because I'm looking at television and trying to compare my love to hit that to the love, our love to the love that was on TV, I failed epically. I failed epically because I was trying to do a comparison. And people do this often. People do this when it comes to looking at a relationship that is displayed to us via social media that looks like the perfect relationship, that looks like what we aspire, hashtag goals, to achieve. And all the while, they're sleeping in separate beds. All the while, they barely speak. But on social media, they look like they got it all together because in all those photos, he's loving on her. She's loving on him. It's called acting. It's a facade. It's a united front. And a lot of times we will find ourselves comparing what we have, our puppy love to somebody's tainted love, not even recognizing that what we have is what they wish they had. What we have is what they prayed for to have comparison will get you in a world of hurt because no situation is the same no situation is identical no situation is the perfect situation it may be perfect for you in the sense that you are able to operate in the essence of who you are as an individual. You are able to show up as your authentic self. You do not have to compromise your morals for the sake of a relationship. It may be perfect for you in that regard, but by no means is it perfect. And one of the things that I failed myself at in that season of my life was trying to project perfection with an imperfect being we were both imperfect beings there was no way we were going to achieve perfection there was no way that we were going to have a relationship like television it's for entertainment purposes only when did i take my real why would i even consciously take a real life loving situation and try to make it duplicate something that is false. Why would I do that? Ignorance, foolishness, stupidity, youth, 
just not being aware, not having anything to compare it to, not having, not knowing that I had everything that I needed in that season, in that relationship, wanting more, thinking I was receiving less because it didn't look like the reflection that I saw on television. Big mistake. But we do this often when it comes to relationships. We do this often when we're looking at our homegirl and we're like, oh my goodness, they got the perk girl. Guess what he did? He bought her a Louis Vuitton, honey. He took her on a picnic, girl. He did this. He did that. But you don't even see the nights that he didn't come home. You didn't realize that although she posted that on social media, that was his... I messed up again, gift. Will you take me back, gift? Let's brush these issues under the rug, gift. He's not faithful to me, gift. We don't see that. All we see is the surface. So we are under the impression that they have the quote unquote perfect relationship. We don't see that she's crying herself to sleep every single night. Because in our eyes, based off of social media, based off of television, based off of what they share, they got it together. They go on a trip. Oh my goodness, girl, he done flew across country. Not y'all don't even know that that's their reconciliation trip. They ain't spoken to each other in three months. The counselor has told them it's time for y'all to get away. So when they're taking these photos, it's a reconciliation trip. We're trying to sever something in this relationship. Y'all been thinking that we've been lovey-dovey hugged up under each other because of the photos. But I can't stand him and he can't stand me. We have got to stop comparing our situations to other situationships. Our relationship to someone else's relationship. Even when it comes to, this is one thing that I've noticed. So there may be a person in your life that everybody else can't stand. You know, we all got some of that going on sometimes. So it may be a person that means you well, but they have a different way of expressing themselves. And based off of your history, you've never dealt with a person like this. So when you've told your friends about this individual, they're just like, oh, get rid of this person like now. But as time goes on, you start to realize when you quiet the noise, wait a minute, there's certain qualities that this person possesses that I've never come across. And maybe the way that they communicate is different than most. But the content of the conversation, the things that I'm learning from this individual, it may be different. And that's the reason why the crowd is like, let it go, let it go, let it go. But if I really pay close attention to let it go would be foolish because I'm learning something from this experience. So if I were to let this go prematurely or let this go based on popular demand, there would be a life lesson or something that I could miss out on indefinitely because I chose to go with the masses. Why not allow it to play out and see what are your not only what are your intentions concerning this relationship, but what can I learn from you? 
what can I, if I look at it or if you look at it from a perspective of what can I learn from you instead of a judgmental perspective of you're not, you're not what I'm used to. Because we do, I have a feeling that we, I mean, not just me, I know a lot of us do it. We have our preferences. So when you have a preference, you tend to say no to anything that's outside of that preference. I've been guilty of it. Does this sound familiar? Girl, he's got to be tall, dark, and handsome. Does that sound familiar? I, I'm sure I'm not the only female that has made that request known. How about opening up your mind? How about considering alternative options? Not settling. There's a big difference. Just considering. Because your blessing might not come in the tall, dark, and handsome package. So you may be missing out on your happily ever after because it didn't, the presentation didn't come the way you imagined or fantasized or saw on television that it happened that way. So now you put that on your list of, I want it to happen just like this. And if it happens just like this, Lord, I know it's you. And he's just like, I had so much more in store for you but now you put limitations on me so I'm going to work with what you gave me but if you would have worked with what I was going to give you you would have gotten so much more so I have found myself doing just that surrendering I went on a date this past Friday Yes, I'm dating now. I'm dating now. I am dating now. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. So one thing that I had told a friend of mine, actually, my friends were the ones that were encouraging me to date. They're just like, Teresa, it's time. It's time for you to date, girl. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take baby steps. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So in the course of me taking these baby steps, one of the things that I told a friend of mine, I told her it would do no good for me to do the work if I don't put myself in a position to apply the work. So how am I going to know that I've grown in certain arenas if I don't do the work and apply it? Because doing the work is fine. I've been doing that for a minute now. But if I don't get a chance to apply it, uh, it's just like sitting on the shelf. And I can only speculate or I can only think that maybe I've arrived or maybe it is that I got it when I probably haven't. And I wouldn't know that I haven't because I haven't tested it. I haven't applied it. So what I did, I said yes. I said yes to a date. And it was a very, to be quite honest with you, it was the best first date after a period of not dating that I've been on. And so... There was something that I did when I was on this date that I've never done before. And what I said was, so we were at the table, we were at Papado's. For those of you that don't know Papado's, it's a very nice um, seafood restaurant. But anyway, so we were at Papado's and when the waiter came to our table, the waiter was like, you know, he, we had, so you don't know this. So there's a menu. And on the menu, there are these photographs of different dishes that are offered at the restaurant. And the photograph that was on 
his menu, he ordered. The photograph that was on my menu, I ordered. However, when I ordered salmon. So in my past, for my birthday, my brother, um, I had told, you know, I ordered salmon then. I love salmon. That's one of my favorite fishes. Anyway, so um, in the past, when I went to a fine restaurant, I remember ordering the salmon well done. And my brother lovingly let me know that's not how you order your salmon. Medium rare is how you order your salmon. And so when the fast forward, when the chef showed up, I mean, not the chef, the, the waiter showed up and he said, um, would you like your salmon well done? I thought of my brother's voice and I looked at him and I said, you know what? I'm going to trust the process. That is one of the hardest things for those that know you, know me, those that know me, for me to trust the process is hard. I typically want to control the narrative. That's my truth. So for me to trust the process means that I'm surrendering and I'm allowing the process to have its way. When I tell you, the waiter thanked me because I was like, you know, just serve it the way the way the photo looks, serve it the way it's supposed to be served. I'm going to trust this. My date at the time nodded his head. Yes. After the waiter left, he said, look at it this way. The chef knows how best the main course should be served. Let's think about that. Let's unpack that for a moment. The chef knows how best the main course should be served. When I look back over my relationships, my failed relationships, one of the common denominators was that I was trying in some way, form or fashion to control the narrative of those relationships. When I'm done with you, I'm done with you. <laughs> That's how I was. So instead of giving the relationship a true chance, I would relinquish the relationship. And I remember my mom telling me one time, I don't think it's the men that have an issue with commitment. I think it's you. And I was like, you think? She's like, yes, because you're always breaking up with these good dudes. <laughs> she didn't say dudes. She said young, young men or something like that. I'm saying dudes. But I was like, really, mom? She's like, yes. They make you upset. You don't give them a chance. You may give them two or three chances, but after that, you're done with it. And I was like, really? She's like, yes, Teresa, you're constantly breaking up with these good men. And I'm like, okay, let me start looking inside. Let me start trying to figure out why it is that I do what I do. Let me see where that stems from. Let me figure it out. And she was right. 
And I believe that a part of the reason why I operated that way is because there was a fear of abandonment. There was a fear of rejection that was still an undertone. So there was a part of me that felt like maybe eventually you'll discover that there's something about me that you just can't stand. You won't let me go regardless. So let me beat you to the punch. That was fear. False evidence appearing real. There was nothing that was said to me that would make me think that this person was going to walk out of my life. But because I had dealt with rejection, because I dealt with abandonment for so long, that had become the conversation that I was holding on to. And I wasn't letting it go. I came across a point the other day, and I'm not going to share it because it would incriminate an individual. But when I came across the point, there were some words that I had written down that were my reality at that time. And what I started to realize is that people can speak a curse on you, whether they're consciously doing it or they're unconsciously doing it. They can speak something on you. Now, keep in mind, the only way that it becomes a reality is if you tie into it and buy into it. So people can speak against you all day long. If you tie into it and buy into it, that's when it becomes your reality. If you debunk it, if you cast it down, it's not a reality. But what I recognized was this person who spoke these things over me, because I held that person to a certain stature, a certain level of respect, I literally found myself repeating that tape over and over and over and over again in my mind. No one is going to love you. You're not worthy of being loved. Who's going to want you? You're going to die alone. What? And maybe this was this person's own insecurities, but they spewed it on me. And when you're young and you're hearing things like this, you start to believe it if you have not worked on your self-image. If you... Because if you don't know where to go, if you're not guided on how to do it, you will find yourself in situations where it's like, how did I get here? Well, I believe the lie. I believe that I wasn't lovable. I believe that no one would love me. I believe that I was going to die alone. And so guess what manifested? I'm not dying alone. Devil is lie. I didn't cast that down. I'm just saying. That's an example. So by literally seeing that, and recognizing that, now I'm able to cast that stronghold down because it was a lie from the pits of hell. But I believed it for so long, my relationship started to manifest the very thing that had been spoken over me as in my younger years. I didn't realize that reality until after I got older. And you have to be very careful of who you allow to speak over you and speak into your life. Words hold power. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So it's something that me and my older daughter, we have found ourselves doing a lot now that we're coming to the knowledge of the fact that your words hold power. When someone tries to speak something over us, and we know that it's not in alignment with what it is that we desire for our lives. 
we cast that down. We rebuke it. We say, no, that's that's not going to be my truth. I am going to be happily married, remarried someday. My husband is going to love me more than words can say. I'm going to love him more than words can say. He's going to be so into me. I'm going to be so into him. It's probably going to tick a lot of people off. Because we're just going to be that in tune and that in love with each other. Time is going to be of the utmost essence. Time is going to be on our side. It's not going to matter that we got married in our older years. God is going to give us our time together and as one. We're going to build glorious memories together. Our marriage is going to be a ministry and it's going to be a beautiful thing that unfolds. Even the way that we disagree is going to be eloquent and beautiful. Our children are going to call us blessed. It's going to be a wonderful sight to see. A wonderful sight to see because we waited and we did it decent and in order. I'm excited about it. I remember... There's so many experiences that people have shared with me. So many experiences. But I do know the importance of not letting everybody be the dictator of your life. Not allowing everyone to have a say in the path that you choose. Because you could end up choosing the wrong person based on public opinion just for the sake of quote unquote saving face or just because this person is liked more than that person you don't know what your future is going to hold I remember uh, there was a particular person and I think the only reason why his question rubbed me the wrong way is because there was there was truth to it truth that I didn't want to acknowledge at the time so one of the things when I ended one of my relationships, I had a conversation. He had asked me, like, when was the last time I had been with someone? Um, and I told him my last relationship. And then he was like, why did y'all, um, you know, why did y'all break up? And I was like, because he changed. He was like, is that really a reason? I said, yeah, because he wasn't consistent. And that was a deal breaker for me because he wasn't consistent. And he was like, so it's something that you couldn't, you couldn't reconcile that. You couldn't have a conversation with him. And I said, I did have a conversation with him. I actually gave him some grace. What do you consider grace, Teresa? I mean, I gave him a few more months to get his stuff together. Just a, a few more months. Yeah. You don't know what that man had going on. You, and you know, so we had this whole dialogue going and I was just like, I was getting upset with him because he wasn't siding with me. And he was just like, I'm not siding with you because you were wrong. I'm like, what? What you mean I was wrong? What? Yes, you should have got... And then then he's like, and then to find out that the, that the man still loves you, he still wants to be with you, and you talking about, why did you do... And I'm like, because he wasn't consistent. I need consistency in my life. He's like, the world is not consistent. Life is not consistent. Things go up and down all the time. That logic ticked me off initially, but then I started to think about it and I was like, you know what? That's why I was upset with him. I was upset with him because what he was saying made sense. And I had never taken the time out to look at it that way. 
I'm not saying I wanted that person back, but his logic and how he viewed the situation made sense because I was only looking at it from one side. I didn't take the time out to look at it from the other person's side. So from the other person's side, I had failed him because it's one thing to tell someone that I'm going to be in the, in the, you know, I'm going to be there no matter what. It's another to actually do it. And I walked out. I walked out on purpose. I even explained why I walked out. But whenever someone is down or what they consider down, that may not be the time to be walking out on folks, you know, because a lot could happen. And so looking back, I was like, okay, lesson learned. Okay, lesson learned. Because that's one thing about me. I'm very teachable. Very, 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 very teachable. Now, it may take a minute for me to say, okay, I was wrong. Might take a minute because I got to swallow that pride first. But eventually I will come to you and say, I was wrong. And so um, I did that. Let them know, you know, sorry for hurt your feelings, broke your heart, what have you. However, this is why I, you know, did X, Y, and Z. This is what's best for me because I'm not just picking a partner for myself. I have also got to consider my children and consistency is very important to me. It's really, really important. And so, um, yeah, so we're good, but it took someone else telling me that person's perspective for me to get that I had left something unfinished because I pretty much was like, I'm out and I kept it. I mean, it was, I kept it so basic. I kept it so basic. But then after I had this conversation, even though I didn't want to hear it, didn't want to, it took me a minute to receive it. After I had that conversation, I was able to go back and let the person know the details of why it was that I opt not to continue in that, rom you know, romantic relationship. And um, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that I kind of, you know, put closure there because a lot of people do need closure. You know, before they move on, before they move forward, they need closure. I might have been fine ending things the way that they were, but you know, that could have left unfinished business for that other person. And it's like just keeping them hanging. And so to give them closure, now they're able to move on and move forward. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much just be mindful. Be mindful that the, don't let everyone speak into your life. Don't let everyone have something to say. Because you can disagree with the person. You know, think about it. You I, uh, me and my aunt had a conversation yesterday and I had to like bring back to her, remember some of the other part of the conversation because she said she had only remembered a part of the conversation. So I had to remind her, you know, that I hopefully I think I shared everything. Maybe I didn't. But after I gave her the other part of the conversation, she was like, now the decision that you made makes more sense. And so a lot of times we have a tendency to do that, whether consciously or unconsciously where we will say the one side, not all of it, just some of it. We'll just say the one side. And that's not fair. That's not fair to the other person. Like if you're going to tell the story, tell the whole story, um, not just a part of it. And so that's the thing. It's like I'm learning. First of all, I'm ever learning, but I'm also learning the importance of just You've got to do things for you. You got to, even when it comes to like, let's say that 
you do make a decision to to leave a relationship, make sure that you, when you're sharing with your friends and your family, you don't have to give the gory, gory details, but just, you know, make sure that you're not just saying the one side. Make sure that you're saying the other side. You know, there's a, you, you know how to be discreet. You ain't got to tell every, your whole business. You can, you know, well, things just didn't work out. Well, why didn't they work out? Well, you know, he has some habits that he hasn't truly dealt with and he doesn't want to see counseling. So I felt like this was the best way was for us to end the relationship amicably. amicably. It's so hard for me to say that that's such a tongue twister. And well, is there a possibility of reconciliation? No, I think that we're good. I think that at this point in this juncture of our lives, that it would be best suited for me to continue this journey by myself until someone who is more capable of loving me the way that I know that I deserve to be loved presents himself. If that doesn't happen for another few years, then I'm okay with it. I'm really content with being single at this point in my life. Well, what about him? Um, I'm not really concerned about him at this point. We've done all that we could do together and now we're going to operate separately. I wish him well. I really do. I'm just not the one for him. And he's definitely not the one for me. Okay, well, how, how do you feel about that decision? I'm actually okay with it. Well, how does he feel about it? I haven't even stopped to ask. I, I, I really, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not concerned about how he feels about it. Because right about now, I'm taking care of me and doing me and loving me first. I'm actually putting me first for once in my life. So I wish him well. I really, really do. But I'm not really consumed with how he's feeling right now. No, not at all. Well, how about her? How do you feel... How is she feeling? Um, I don't know, but I do wish her well. I mean, I hope that everything that she ever aspires and dreams of and, you know, I hope that I hope that's what happens. I hope she accomplishes that and so much more. I mean, so, but you just ended the friendship like there was no. Um, well, I think if, you know, if she takes the time out to look over the course of the friendship, um, she'll see why that decision was made. Yeah, it was one-sided for how many years? A long time. Okay, but you don't, I mean, you have any, mm -mm. I'm good. I'm good. I hope she is too, but I'm good. Okay, well, you know, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I know. There's some things that just aren't meant for everybody to understand. Um, so as long as I have peace about it, that's pretty much where I'm at with that. Because I have peace about it. Um, I haven't missed an ounce of sleep, so that confirms that I have peace. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh, okay, well, all right. Well, um, you know, I'm glad that you're doing you, honey. I'm glad that you're doing that self-care. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time coming, and my change has finally come. Glory, hallelujah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> so however your dialogue goes with the people that you know that you allow to be a part of the equation at one point in time and then you make a conscious decision to either pursue the relationship or to leave the relationship at the end of the day it's up to you boo it's really up to you nobody can tell you how to do you but god
Nobody else can tell you how to do you. They'll try. You will even implement. You may even incorporate some of the things that they suggest. But at the end of each day, no one can tell you how to do you. You are the individual. You should be thinking for yourself. It is okay to get wise counsel for those that surround you. But at the end of the day, you're going to need to make those decisions that give you peace, where you find joy, where you truly are being able to operate in your authentic self. Because let me tell you what you don't want to happen. This is what you don't want to happen. What you don't want to happen is that 20 or 30 years passes you by and you do a self-analysis, self-inventory on yourself. And you realize that you've been living a life that someone else dictated to you that was never your own. That someone else pretty much controlled the narrative of who you are and it was never you. That you have all these gifts and all these talents that were hidden, that lied dormant because they had you focusing on this area over here. Ignoring all the gifts and talents that were just waiting to be used over here. That's what you don't want to happen. So, that, yeah, that's what you don't want to have happen. So in order to hopefully prevent that from happening, one of the best things that you could do for yourself is to stay true to yourself authentically. I have a picture that I posted, that I painted on my wall. And it is a picture of a queen. And her crown says authentic. I have t-shirts that I've created through my apparel line that say authentic. And one of the reasons why I did that is because I wanted to remind myself that I need to remain authentic. There will never be another Teresa Reese. Me. I'm talking about me. Now the name may be out there a thousand times. But there will never be another me to walk the face of this earth. I have a fingerprint that can never be duplicated. I am uniquely and wonderfully made. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. There is something that you bring to the universe. There is something that you bring to your community. There is something that you bring to this world that no one can ever duplicate. Tap into that. And then walk with your head held high. Don't draw back. Don't dim your light because someone else is intimidated by your gifts and your talents. Don't allow them to dictate to you this is as far as you can go. Because if you go any further, it's going to make me feel squeamish and uncomfortable and lesser than. That's their problem, honey. That's not yours. Go with God. Do what gives you peace. And do it superbly. Do it with excellence. Do it to where they're like, ooh, child, he did that. Ooh, child, she did that. Leave your mark. Leave your mark. I hope that I've said something encouraging, uplifting to you on this glorious day. Um, this is going to conclude this portion of my podcast. 
However, if you know me, you know I love to read letters to my future hubby. So I can't believe that today is May 31st of 2021. This is the last day of May. Can y'all believe that? Well, honey, it's here. So here is my letter to my future hubby, dated May 31st of 2021, and it reads, Dear future hubby, I hope you have had the most amazing month, that you have soared in ways unimaginable concerning your hopes and concerning your dreams. I hope your relationship with our creator has grown as well, that you have tapped into the essence of who you are unapologetically that you have allowed the experiences of your past to mold you into such a beautiful being, such a beautiful human being. I hope that you are living your dreams out loud. When our paths cross, I would love to hear all about it. Do you like to camp? Do you like campfires? Well, I remember as a child, my mom would send my brother and I off to camp for the summertime. The camp group was called Sunshine Camp. And on the last night of our being there, we would all gather by the campfire and the camp leads would provide each of us an Indian name, something like Eagle Star. And as we sat by the campfire, each camp lead would go around and tell us why it was that they chose the Indian name that they did for us. It was normally an, it was normally based on an observation, on their observation of how each of us performed when it came to our surviving in the environment they had created for us. Like creating a campfire from scratch, like using the restroom in the woods, like cooking in the woods, to name a few. If you and I were sitting by the campfire right now, I wonder what Indian name which you assign to me based on all of my life experiences that I would share with you. And what I have shared with you thus far, I'm curious to know, maybe one of these days, I'll find out. I'd also like to imagine that my Indian name for you would include the name King because you will most definitely be the King of our castle. Speaking of kings, changing the subject, have you ever played chess? I remember when I first learned how to play the game of chess. I'm a little rusty at it now. However, I learned how to play chess while I was on a girl's trip. We visited a friend and the family um, of the family. One of my friend's long-term family friends while in Houston. He pulled out and showed me his handcrafted chess game. I was curious and asked him more about the king, the queen, the pawn, and the horseman. He explained, however, as he explained, he had me making chess moves unaware. Before I knew it, I was playing chess. Such a fascinating game. We played a few times together. I think he allowed me to even win once or twice. Those were some great times. Well, if you do play chess, 
maybe you can also let me win a time or two. At least until I become unrusty with that game. How about checkers or dominoes? The list goes on. I used to love playing all of these games. Then, somehow, life stepped in and I no longer found the time to play games like these. Maybe I should find some time. It's crazy how it was the little things back in the day that brought so much joy to my heart. And somehow I allowed them to slip away. It's never really taken much to bring joy to my heart when I think about it though. I love a good conversation, being surrounded by good-hearted people with kind intentions. And of course, I love being surrounded by my children, my friends, and my family. Plus, I never meet a stranger. I could have met you two seconds ago. That wouldn't matter to me. I would greet you with a smile, and then I'd find a reason to receive one back. I think it's in my DNA. Some people call it being friendly. Well, I believe in showing myself friendly because I do remember a time in my life when I had no idea of what showing myself friendly even looked like. So I don't take it for granted now. What parts of your life are you no longer taking for granted? What do you find yourself constantly being grateful for? What memories continue to bring a smile to your face, even if they took time, even if they took place decades ago? Those are the th great times. Those are the great times that, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue twisted. Those are the things great times are made of. Whatever comes to your mind, I sure do hope that you are creating great memories even now. That'll give us something to talk about on our first date and many, many more to come. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I hope y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to end the letter. <laughs> That'll give us something to talk about on our first date and many, many more to come. I love you. Love, Teresa. <laughs> so I hope this is going to conclude my episode. I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please, <laughs> please do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.